Brothers and sisters, the Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the doors were locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in their midst and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. Whose sins you forgive are forgiven them, and whose sins you retain are retained. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Peace be with you. In this very short passage of four verses, Jesus says those four words twice. Not only are those words repeated, the entire gospel passage itself is a repeat as well. We just heard this particular scripture on a Sunday at Mass just a few weeks ago. The point is, we're not reading an obscure passage that hasn't been heard for some time with a message that's unfamiliar. Yet here on Pentecost Sunday in 2020, those words seem distant and foreign to us, maybe even unreal. Peace be with you. All week, we've seen this horrific video of George Floyd, a man killed in police custody. Those five minutes of video are infuriating and devastating to watch at the same time. They put a a visual image on some of the ugliest parts of our country's history and foundation the wounds of slavery, the wounds of racism, which don't just disappear because it wasn't something that some of us didn't participate in or wasn't part of our experience. For many in our nation, those wounds are very raw and exposed. And in this latest video of brutality by some criminally corrupt police officers has just poured salt into those wounds as well as created some new ones as well. And as the video was shown over and over all week, each time I saw it, I found myself getting angrier and distressed and tensed and outraged. Peace be with you. All week we've seen people trying to express their anger and fury over the death of George Floyd being co-opted now by others whose purpose was to loot and to riot and to sow terror on others. The violence that has erupted has nothing to do with those who wanted some outlet to their justifiable outrage over Mr. Floyd's death for them to be heard. It was equally as evil and in many 
cases cause greater harm on some of the same poor and marginalized communities that already identified with George Floyd. As stores burned to the ground, as police officers, the vast majority who are selfless, sacrificial men and women, equally infuriated by the actions of one of their own, and now generally maligned because of those very actions, were now being attacked, and more and more innocent people were being injured and terrified, and even some people being killed. Whatever collective outrage the people of this nation felt in reaction to this one man's death is being eclipsed by these mobs sowing division and fear and grief and anger. Peace be with you. Truth be told, it's not just our attention to these images of this last week being broadcast on our screens or in our neighborhoods not far from our own that seem to make these words of Jesus feel unreal. There are realities in all of our personal lives that are so widespread that make the opposite more relatable. People continue to fight this invisible enemy and this virus that has upended seemingly everybody's lives and their routines. Three months of a viral pandemic has way too many families mourning and grieving loved ones who were taken suddenly and tragically without even an opportunity to be supported by friends and family members as we continue to sit in isolation. People are scared and are worried about everything from physical health to their financial situations as nearly 40 million people have lost their jobs in record time to even people's mental health as the number of suicides or suicide attempts or people calling mental care health support lines are at crisis levels as well. Even here, just talking to some of our students, some of them are wondering what will next semester look like and do I even want to participate in that? There's no shortage of problems and difficulties and struggles that are all around us, things that make hearing those words, peace be with you, jarring, insulting, unreal, or just too idealistic. But the more we hear and reflect on those words, though, the more it becomes clear that peace be with you isn't a nice greeting. It's not a statement of fact. It's not an observation of a current situation. It's an invitation. It's a choice. It's our choice and it's our decision to receive it. It's our choice and our decision to utilize it and to live it. And it always has been. We tend to, to look at Pentecost and this entire Easter season that we conclude today with almost stained glass vision. Beautiful, spiritual, transformational events that change the world and that we can even recall with pride as this momentous historic moment in the life of the early church. I think about the mosaic I first saw in the cathedral in St. Louis, Missouri, of Pentecost, where the entire ceiling of the majestic building has this awesome illustration with the apostles dressed in their heavenly-looking robes with the, the Blessed Mother sitting right there in the midst of them with a halo and the dove hovering over them, and there's these tongues of fire over each of their heads, and it just looks amazing. It's so perfect. It's so beautiful. It looks like everything we could have imagined being fulfilled instantly and completely. 
And it also is so removed from our experience. What we miss in an image like that was that it was choice and it was a decision for the apostles to be there. They too had been filled with fear. We can't forget that in this very gospel, we hear that the room was locked. And St. John makes no excuses for the locked doors. It was for fear of the Jewish leaders who would conspire with the Romans to kill Jesus and who they feared were after them next. Yet despite the sadness and sorrow that they were still looming in their heads and their hearts from Good Friday, despite this real present legitimate fears, they still chose to be there. And it's not like they didn't have other choices. Maybe because we've heard the story so many times, we tend to think of the apostles as as characters in the play that we know how it's going to play out. The script is already written. If they were just like us, they could have given in to despair. One of the original 12, one of Jesus' closest hand-picked men chosen to be one of his apostles had done that. Judas, after choosing to follow the world and at least finding some sense of security for himself with the Romans and the Jewish leaders for turning Jesus over, recognized the horror of that decision. But rather than remembering all that Jesus had said and done, the words of mercy, the acts of love, the forgiveness to sinners, he chose despair and hung himself. But Judas was not the only one who made other choices. There were other instances throughout the Gospels where we hear people who walked away from Jesus. The rich young man, for one, who after asking Jesus what more could he do to be considered righteous, found Jesus' call to give up all that mattered to the world and devote himself solely to Jesus, too much for him to do. Or the group of disciples who will Hear Jesus' teaching on the Eucharist that they must eat his flesh and drink his blood. And they couldn't or wouldn't hear those words. They walked away as well. So the twelve could have taken off as well after Good Friday. And perhaps some of them were contemplating it. Yet they made the choice to come together. They made the choice to do what Jesus had told them to do. And so Jesus enters into that locked room. He enters into their fears, already blowing their minds, having been risen from the dead. And then he offers them his peace. And it's tied to this gift of the Holy Spirit. In the days that followed that Easter night, the apostles would be confronted again with all kinds of fear. After appearing to them for 40 days, Jesus commissioned them to go proclaim his gospel and ascend into heaven. And as they leave Mount Olivet and return to that upper room, they had to choose to be there together, to dedicate themselves to prayer, to believing and trusting that Jesus' promise of sending this gift, this Holy Spirit upon them, would somehow enable them to fulfill what he was commanding them to do. And so it happened. The Spirit comes upon them, and we see the apostles are transformed. In the beautiful reading from the Acts of the Apostles, you hear their fears disappear. They find this new courage is unleashed. They speak in new languages, and the beginning of the church takes place. But if you continue past that first little chapter of the Acts of the Apostles, after that event, 
It would be a daily choice. It would be an ongoing thing that they had to do. They would be confronted with difficult missions, hostile crowds, angry leaders, and ultimately almost all of them would face their own deaths for being an apostle of Jesus Christ. Yet they kept choosing peace. They kept choosing the Holy Spirit and looking to him to provide the strength to give them the words to be their consoler in those moments of darkness when it felt that it had no one left in the world to support them. And that's what speaks to me today. The other night in our summer quarantine Catholic Zoom meeting with some of our students, and we were talking about our receiving the sacrament of confirmation when we received the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in a new way. And I confessed to them that I remember leaving my home parish church the night I received it as a freshman in high school, somewhat underwhelmed. Speaking new languages, I was still struggling learning Italian, let alone butchering my native English. It felt like not much had changed. But the problem was and is, so often we're waiting for the Holy Spirit to do something independent of us, to forcibly invade our world and ourselves and just make things right, which is contrary to who God is and who he's created us to be. Over 90 days ago, we as Catholics came together to receive ashes on our foreheads. Hard to believe it was 90 days ago, but yes, it was. That was an invitation for us to repent, to let go of old habits and sinful ways and things that diminished us from who God created us to be. And in the weeks that have passed, we entered into the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ and renewed ourselves in him as the way, the truth, and the life that promises us the fullness that our hearts were created for, that they desire. As we respond to that, and as we reach for that, today's finale to the Easter season is a reminder that God gives us the gifts to live that life in the midst of this crazy world. He equips us to be followers of him on our pilgrimage through life. But it's our choice to utilize them or not. It's a decision we have to make every day, every moment, whether to respond to the Holy Spirit within us or not, who is constantly calling and nudging us to live differently, to choose Jesus and his peace. So when we hear of the latest atrocity or see scenes of terrifying hatred and violence and terror, we have to be cautious of our reactions and our responses individually and personally. Do we give in to our anger and our sadness and let emotions guide us and direct us? Joining into the fray with more provocative words or actions that create further division and tension? Or do we choose to let Christ and let his peace direct us? Do we share that peace by asking the Holy Spirit to guide and direct us to listen with empathetic ears and hearts and to speak words of consolation and healing. When we think of all the personal struggles that family, friends, or even each of us are going through personally, do we let our hearts get weighed down and give into despair and allow depression and fear and worry to sow disbelief? 
Or do we come with them as we are, looking to the apostles' example, and yes, acknowledging our legitimate fears and our worries, but remaining faithful by not giving in to them and choosing Christ and letting his peace be with us? That's the difficult place that we find ourselves in. We who have received this same Holy Spirit, we already have that precious gift of God within us. It's not some distant spiritual reality. It's not some confusing theological concept that we need extensive teaching and training over. Jesus who remains with us in his word and in his body and blood in the Eucharist in the church continues to pour out his gifts of the Holy Spirit upon us. He's promised he will never leave us. He's promised he will continue to do tremendous deeds through each and every one of us who make up the church. But it's still a matter of a choice and a decision on our parts. We have to want the Holy Spirit. We have to want his peace.